Hello and welcome to The Blue Couch brought to you by Eiffel Corp. Founded in 1998, Eiffel Corp has established itself as the leading provider of educational technology and training solutions in Africa. Eiffel Corp, the hub of education, technology and innovation. Hello and welcome to The, the Blue, Blue Couch. Couch. <laughs> My name is Matty and I am not alone, I am always with... Alata. And thank you so much, Matty. Um, today is a nice, wonderful Friday. Um, people might not know. And ladies and gentlemen, we're prominent people today. And it's going to be quite an interesting conversation. And I am willing to hear, learn, innovate, do it all in one jug. <laughs> and aren't you excited, Matty? I am. I'm seeing that it's Women's Month and we are out here looking for women who have really created and owned the space, especially um, in the educational um, space. I think it's quite pertinent that we go back um, and try to make sure that we honor the people who are really passionate and um, put education at the forefront and are really not afraid to 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 tackle, you know, and, and you know, be in these positions where you, you might find that, um, you know, we, we don't really find women doing such things and making such waves. So it's really quite um, exciting to be part of today's episode. And I think when you think of the topic, the rise of women in education, um, already it gives you goosebumps because you're like, you know, these are people who prepare us for the future and they really have um, a, quite a big role to play. So I'm pretty excited to be, to be part of this episode, Alata. So I think the sun is shining. It's a good day and it's going to be one great episode. So um, without wasting any more time, I think it's quite important that we introduce who joins us on the Blue Couch today on our seventh episode. Um, and I think I will hand over to you. I think everyone just wants to know who are these ladies and um, where are they from? And who are these high risers who make big decisions in big institutions? Okay, let me just read just one line. I don't want to spoil it because they can do everything for themselves, but we'll hear from them and how they talk as well. Today, we are talking about a registered pharmacist, professor, and currently acting as head of the Division of Clinical Pharmacy at Sifakumaka to Health Sciences University. This is none other than Professor Natalie. Welcome, Professor. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, uh, we also have uh, Dr. Ingla, who joins us on the show. Um, and she holds a, a, a doctor in philosophy and education. Um, she was also the vice rector for the academic um, at the University of the, the Free State. And preceding this, she was the deputy vice chancellor for teaching, learning, and community engagement at Sifako Mahato Health Services Sciences University. So, uh, Dr. Van Staden, welcome to, welcome to the Blue Couch. Thank you, Maddie. Thank you a lot. So before we headed off to the questions, you know how the blue couch arises. So we always talk about what's currently trending and we discuss just to, I wouldn't say to debate, but we just want to chat. And hot off the press today was very controversial things, but I don't think we'll go into deep detail on what, it, what they're all about. But we do have some quotes from some very prominent people as well within the higher education space. And this one quote goes by woman without a PhD lecture lower levels in the institution, that is to say undergraduates, and they're looking for the magnitude and looking at the magnitude of these students, it impacts the lecture studies at master's and PhD level. That comes directly from an interview that I watched by Brightness Mangoti, who is the director of higher education and resource services. 
interesting things very interesting but we'll probably have just a quite a, a cheese block of a conversation in within the episode and then there's another one that says if they cannot fault your work your personality becomes a source of attention that is by professor Pakeng, the vice chancellor of the university of cape town that was an interview i watched by the sabc news it is available on youtube for those who probably want to know what was that conversation about as well no, I'm just thinking um, of, 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 of these quotes and exactly, you know, some of the feedback that, you know, we, we're getting in terms of, you know, where women should be and, you know, the impact of not um, having acquired certain uh, levels in terms of your study. And uh, really, I think that's also the conversation. And that's uh, some of the things that we would like to clear up today by finding out from the women who've actually embarked on the journey are probably still on the journey and, and how they've actually found themselves being where they are today. Um, and I think it's quite interesting um, to just hear more about that. Yes, that's indeed very true, Matty. And then there's another article by the University of the World, University World News that was written by Edwin Naidu. So he says, According to Mr. Bauer, Ahmed Bauer, who is also part of this, who is the CEO of University of South Africa, I think, I stand to be corrected. He says, according to Prof, um, Professor Bauer, 58% of the students in South African universities are women and 42% are men. Now, this gap begins to represent itself in the staff structures in the universities. And indeed, there are more women than men at lecture level. But however, we are not seeing the same trend at senior levels. As clearly, this is an area of investigation. That is very, very, very interesting. Definitely hot off the press. But <laughs> I think I think everyone is dying to hear the story from um, both the ladies that um, are joining us today. So um, I think let's get right into it and find out the, the narratives and the journeys behind um, Dr. Finstaden and Professor Natalie. So I think um, the first question um, from our end, uh, perhaps to, to just both of you, um, could you please just describe your journey of, of your professional career um, right up to this point? Um, obviously, um, you know, finding um, uh, ways of just delivering. I know we're asking too much to just put your life in one minute, but <laughs> um, please just to take us through your journey right up till this point from a professional aspect. Um, let me start. Um, it's interesting that Natalie and I worked for the same organization a few years ago, but to start this journey, Matty, it's very interesting that I was never interested in becoming an educationist. I actually trained as a natural scientist and um, it is just one's path that are directed in a certain way that I became an educator. Actually, my humble beginnings was as a teacher, you know, teaching in science at a high school. And when the opportunity came to my pathway to uh, become involved in higher education, I joined the old technical Northern Gauteng that is in Sochengurbi. And sure, that was an eye-opener because it was right in the middle of um, our transformation from 1996, I became involved there as a senior lecturer, and I was responsible for training the next cohort of teachers in maths and sciences. So that was a huge challenge for me, coming from an Afrikaans background, going into a very activistic uh, political 
campus, as you might have known, you will probably see all the newspaper articles on the Sergeant Gooby campus. But it was something I never regretted because from there, I became involved in the mergers, in the restructuring of the higher education system, where the transformation agenda uh, was clearly saying that we have to create a uniform, diverse system for higher education. From there on, I was then involved in TUT as a planner. Um, my academic career totally changed from being an academic to the Dean of the Faculty of Education and TNG to the planner of a newly merged university, which was TUT. And um, there I've learned new skills. And that was a great opportunity that put me on a different level at DHET, at the Department of Higher Education and Training for a few years, where I worked with, with a minister responsible for projects like the two new universities, which I've established with a great project team. I was also responsible for the establishment of the South African International Maritime Institute, which is now currently at NMU. Um, there's many, many projects that I was responsible for, but mainly the human resource development in South Africa for the 26 universities. Um, then I became involved at uh, Safako Makhatu, as you know, it's also a new university coming from the old Medusa. And um, from there on, I moved to universities of the Free State, totally two different universities, totally not even comparable in terms of culture and, and the way things are being done. But yeah, now I'm there at uh, the University of the Free State. Also a different challenge, but we can talk about that later. Thanks, Matty, for this question. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Van Staden, for that informative um, response and taking us through the journey in terms of where you started. It really does highlight um, the importance of um, acknowledging humble beginnings and also allowing yourself to transition mentally. I mean, if, if you had just told yourself that this is not what I actually wanted and this is not what I had foreseen for myself, um, I'm actually going to not pursue this. Uh, but I think you had an open approach and you were open-minded about what the world has has to offer you and by not limiting yourself and allowing yourself to explore uh, um, you know the, the untapped aspects and, and, and fields you allowed yourself to truly transform um, and we see that butterfly caterpillar effect happening right here so thank you so much for sharing that it, it really has been um, quite uh, fruitful to hear um, your story as you progress um, um, so, Dr. Uh, Professor Natalie, um, let me just also allow you to, to just take the platform and, and take us through your journey as well. Thank you, Matty. Um, and yes, uh, just like Dr. Van Storen explained, my journey also started earlier in, uh, I come from Kalinen, just outside of Pretoria. And then uh, in, when, in those days, um, when I went to see our counsellor, there were mainly two pathways for, for women set out. The one was nursing and the other one was teaching. And even though I had a keen interest in mathematics, I was guided towards nursing and I started my career in nursing actually in 1997 at the University of Pretoria. From the outset, I knew this wasn't what I wanted to do, but I finished it, uh, the, the degree. And then I worked for two years as a as an emergency room nurse and as a theater room nurse. And then I eventually decided that I want to still go back to science and I want to study something where 
you can really apply yourself as, as a female. And I then decided on pharmacy after investigating you know, many other options because I loved the fact that it was still science oriented. And at night I work, I studied full time during the day from 1997 to, to, I mean, sorry, from 2003 to 2007 at the then Medun Science One University of Technology. And I had to transition from mostly Afrikaans into English for four years. And during the day I would work and at night I worked um, as an emergency room nurse or as a midwife to pay my, to pay my fees. But I've always I've always had a curious mind. So just like Dr. Van Staden explained, it was never my intention to actually stay in academia. I just loved knowledge and, and questions and, and being curious and, and doing what I really love. And then when I finished my degree, the university then actually recruited me to become a postgraduate student there. And I stayed on to do my master's degree. However, it was then um, converted to a PhD due to some of the knowledge that we actually found in the master's degree. We found some new knowledge. And the university then, um, through various mechanisms and external examinations, conferred a PhD to me in 2009. And then I did my community service actually just outside in, in Mama Lodi. And I came back to the university then in 2010 and worked and did research. And then at the age of 36, you uh, I was made an associate professor at the university, and I then worked within the university structures. And Sefoko Makoto Health Sciences University is unique in the sense that it's a medical university, but it's also a small community. It's, it's, it has more or less 6,000 you know, people on campus. But what makes it really great is there's lots of opportunities with the big hospital. So if you are curious by nature and you know you love doing research, it's a great place to be. I stayed there and I then oversaw the, uh, the, M, the master's degree in clinical pharmacy. And then when we restructured, I was made the head of the division um, of clinical pharmacy. And then in 2018, I was made a full professor when I turned 40. So it was almost like a little birthday present. And then I also applied for a national research foundation and was accredited um, last year as a C2 rated NRF researcher. But also, it was never my intention to become a leader or to become, you know, hold a, ma a management position as, as a female. And um, it was almost like a labyrinth, you know, finding your way. But for me, it was always just staying curious, doing what you love and drowning out all of the outside noises. Thank you, Matty. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that. I think as you were talking um, you know, there's 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 already a, a picture that that is painted. You know, for someone who's saying I'm not uh, really going to let uh, my situation or my commitment, uh, be it during the day or at night, actually determine the amount of effort I'm going to put into building myself and into making myself exactly what I envisioned, uh, uh, um, you know, becoming. And, and I mean, you talk of, um, you know, making those those sacrifices where you'd have to perhaps study um, at night. And I, I mean, these are some of the things that, you know, people take for granted or these are some of the things that we look at and we think are not really quite pertinent um, in terms of developing yourself. And when it comes to when it comes to self-development, a lot of people don't understand that it's, it's, it's it might be a conflicting journey, but it's also rewarding at the end when you naturally put in that effort and wanting to see yourself through. Thrive. And I think your story really outlines and highlights the importance um, of, of resilience and self-belief. 
because had you not actually wanted to see more of yourself doing the things that are actually impactful or effective, um, I think you would have chosen an, an, an alternative route. But I think from both of your stories and everything that you have you have um, shared with us, we can definitely extrapolate the fact that um, one of the key lessons in, in your stories is that you really need to apply yourself and you really cannot let gender be the reason why you're afraid of reaching for the stars. And I think for myself, it's quite exciting to see how you have both taken on, um, you know, your, your future with 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 stride, and and you've held on the reins and said, I'm actually going to ride this wave, and I'm going to make it exactly what I want it to be, and I'm owning my story. Uh, and I think to 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 someone who might have lost that that hope or maybe needed that that hope to be reignited, I think those two stories and exactly what you've shared with us can somewhat do that for someone who's feeling like. Like, is it going to be worth it? I might not see the results now, but am I going to see them later? So thank you so much for allowing us into your space and into your journey. I think those narratives definitely do highlight the importance um, and tell the story of grit from two women who have said, um, I'm not going to be apologetic about this and I'm going to go in this full force and um, I will see the results. So thank you so much for sharing that. Alata, I know a lot is going through your mind right now. <laughs> Having heard all of this. Before you hand, I would do a lot. I just want to come in and it's very important in what you're saying now. Now that we have a couch discussion and yes. you're sitting so comfortably <laughs> on this couch. Um, in your self-development journey, it is very important that you you see the opportunities that are coming to your, your side. Yeah. And it is very important that you recognize those opportunities to, to take on the challenge because it's new things. It takes you out of your comfort zone. And that is how you develop yourself. That is how you get comfortable within yourself to take on these new way of doing things, the new opportunities. If you don't see those opportunities, then you're not going to have a self-development path. I just wanted to add that what you are already saying. That is that is so true, uh, Dr. Fosdana. Thank you so much. I, I tend to agree with you there. Um, 110% uh, because one of the one of the most important things in, in, in achieving anything um, starts with yourself um, you know how you see yourself and and that the reflection that you see you know not just in the mirror but but how you visualize yourself is so important because it speaks to the level of contribution that you bring towards seeing yourself thrive naturally in anything that you do um, so thank you so much for for for, for adding that um, you know, I, I, right now I've got so many things going through my mind because this is something that I'm really passionate about. <laughs> um, seeing, you know, every, you know, people and especially women and especially in this time um, coming together and saying, you know what, we understand that it's not, it's no longer about competition. It's more about collaboration. It's more about what am I bringing to the table that I know that um, I'm naturally skilled at and how can I be, you know, and it's not even about being famous anymore. It's not about being a celebrity. It's not about being known. It's about being fixed. Because ultimately, once you can be effective in what you do, you, 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 you're impacting the world in a ripple effect that might not be visible to the natural eye, but eventually you see it from, from um, a result point of view where you see people naturally thriving, becoming better at things and people coming together and that level, that level of collaboration 
happening. I think it speaks a lot to how women can also come together and retell the story and, and, and crush some of the myths and the narratives that have been written for women and us not owning um, certain labels that come with being a woman as well, because some of them might have certain limitations. So you have definitely decided to not own anything that anyone has placed out there. Societal norms have been something that you have looked at and you have said, yes, but I'm going to decide for myself who I am and what I want to stand for, what I represent and what I want to achieve. And I think it's it's beautiful to see that in your journey and to now hear you share your story um, with our broader audience and ourselves on this platform. This couch is definitely comfortable for me. It's heated right now. And uh, I'm going to um, allow Alata also to um, find out some of the things that have been really eating him up inside that he would like uh, for the both of you to answer. Alata? It is Women's Month after all. <laughs> so, I know. You remember initially I said this episode must be women only. But hey, <laughs> you are here today and I'm I'm listening. For me, it's for me on this couch is me listening and listening to your journeys. And it's it's not gonna be about me. I'll give you the platform, I'll give you the mic for you to speak. But the one thing for me that's been curious when Prof Natalie mentioned being curious. Being curious has been a thing for me. I've always said. It might not get you very far for sometimes. Sometimes it might get you in the wrong corner, but if it gets you in the right corner, it will get you to the top. And that's what um, has been motivating me a lot. And it, her journey inspires me a lot because when you say, you know, you didn't land up in academia, but so many things happens because you were curious about it and you wanted to go back and do more. Um, those, are the, those are the one things that inspire me also as well, because you have to do something about it. I think also one of the things that we really just want um, to maybe find out from the both of you, um, we know that sometimes, um, you know, society and, um, you know, different things that happen in different institutions or organizations can somewhat lead us to questioning how inclusive certain things are. Coming from a, a higher education background and knowing what you know now and having been on the journey that you've been on, how would you say the culture is in terms of inclusivity, um, especially to women in higher education? And I will let either of you um, take this one. Maybe Natalie, you, would, you, would you like to go first? Um, yes, thank you, Matty and Alata. I think being a female, um, let me first off start by... Um, in my nursing career, when I was a nursing sister, and I was really thinking if I should include it, but I think it, I am going to include it. There was also a little bit of sexual harassment in in the workplace where you would be working and you'd be in theater and there would be comments, you know, made towards you. And I was forever thinking if I was a male, would this still be, be relevant? Mm. But then as I transitioned out of nursing and I moved into pharmacy, which was it's now, you know, the equity is more female towards male. But I think when it comes to any professional workplace or even in a high institution, you've got societal issues and you've got corporate issues. Societal issues that I found especially is, is when you are a manager, when you are female, people, the society and the people around you expect you to be communal. And then if you are male, people expect you to be agentic. So when you're agentic, they think a male should be assertive and they should be in control and a female should generally be warm and caring. But they don't think that you as a manager can still be effective 
and you can still be assertive while being warm and caring. Mm. It's very difficult. And I think sometimes as a female, you set some of those ideas in into your own into your own mind. And also as a as a mother of, of three children, some of the other challenges that I've had is uh, when you go on maternity leave and, and you come back, you have to attend some of the same meetings while you still have a young infant and you have to be bright and sparky with lots of you know energy, but you still have a lot of domestic issues that you have to that you have to deal with. And and being from an Afrikaans background, an Afrikaans background, there's lots of actually we actually share a lot of similarities in South Africa more than differences, but it could be very conservative where when you pick up your children at school, some of the other mothers, you know, that or maybe at home. And a lot of this is what you place on your uh, on yourself. You feel guilty because mm-hmm. you're not an effective mother, and then you may not be as effective uh, when you are at work. But at the age of more or less 38, I decided to let go of guilt. So I yeah. said to myself, "I'm I'm now no longer going to feel guilty if I have to leave for work because I'm still a great mother because I'm showing my children that I'm passionate about, about what I do and I've made a comp- Complete mind shift. And I don't know why at that age, but at 38, I decided to start including my children. So I would explain to them, I'm going to a conference now, let's say in the United States, and I would show them exactly what I'm going to present. I would even open up my laptop and tell them, I'm going to talk about my research work is on antimicrobial stewardship. And they would look at me completely confused. But I decided to share my passion and curiosity with them. And then and that made a huge impact is to let go of guilt as a woman. And then the glass cliff um, in, in higher education, I found that there's, a, there's still a glass cliff. And I'm not talking about just at SMU. I'm talking about in general where um, people still tend to think of a professor or, or a manager um, as a male. But then when you when you go in there and you just yourself and you can actually, but I don't always know why we have to prove ourselves, but when you work there and you also are agentic you are assertive you are in control um it takes i would say it still takes more time than what i would say it would take my my male counterpart to have the same effects but i can definitely start seeing a change but it takes time well thanks certainly um there's so many things that you have made mention of that's become the general struggle for women every single day. And these are some of the conversations that maybe we're not having or we need to start having more of uh, where we need to normalize um, uh, the fact that we are, other than the fact that we are mothers with careers, we are also uh, mothers that have a a responsibility towards um, the children that we bring into this world. And there's so many other roles that we play as well, which are quite um, important. And in as much as we want that career development um, and we want that progression, we also need to bear in mind that uh, you're human as well. There's going to be times where you need to recover, more especially if you're just coming back um, from maternity leave and you're also still finding yourself. There's also those late nights uh, where you also have to stay up and look after the baby. There's other children who still need your attention who might not be as young as um, you know the, 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 the youngest child that you might have. 
But I like the fact that you started becoming inclusive to say, I also want and need that level of support. And, and I want to have that transparency with my family, more especially with my children, because if they are not going to see me for a specific period, you wanted them to have that level of understanding as to what it is exactly that you're, that you, you know, out there doing. And I think it also gives them a level of respect in terms of understanding the, the, the complexities that come with um, the nature of your job and your role. But it also gives you that level of um, comfort to know that you are supported and it is recognized, um, not just by uh, the people that you, you, you work with, but also um, your children and your family to see that, you know, this is a superwoman who is going out there every day, wearing a different cape, putting a different hat on and doing so many other things and just being one person. So I think it also takes a lot in, in, in each of us to not be hard on ourselves because we have this level of perfection that we want to reach um, and we want to make sure that we're ticking all the boxes. But I think we, we also need to, we owe ourselves to give ourselves a pat on the back every now and again to say, you know what, um, I've actually been through a lot. It's actually not having been, it, it hasn't been easy um, all the time, but there are, some, there are some things that I can actually look at and say, wow 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 i actually didn't think i was actually going to do this so thank you so much for that you've just taken me back to my my own personal story you know and i really feel like uh, we shouldn't have to repeat or, or, or have to work twice as hard um, as males to 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 get to get or that to gain that level of authority it should come naturally and it should be part of a, a system that's receptive whether you're a man or, or a woman it shouldn't be defined by by your gender the same level of authority and respect that you give to a man you need to give to me as a woman and allow for me to own that space as well um, and to not actually be apologetic um, 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 you know for the fact that I'm a woman and to also understand that I have that power and I have the ability to do exactly what a man can do and we don't even want to make it about competition but we know that what we touch turns into gold but that's another conversation for another day um, Dr. Van Staden um, I'm sure you're sitting there and you're smiling and you're saying these stories couldn't have been told at a better time um, what are your thoughts <laughs> and what is your your journey been what what do you think how inclusive is this space and how have you transitioned into making it inclusive for yourself well Matty and, and Natalie um, I think I'm a little bit older than you two and I do believe there were a cohort of women that really struggled to get into the workplace Yes. Um, I mean, when I was, if I can equate to Natalie's 38, that was when in 1996, I was then, 99, I'm lying, um, around then, 1996, uh, 2000. So I'm coming from an environment where it was a men's world. And mm. where you have to establish yourself, and it, it is totally true in saying that uh, for women, you had to work harder. You had to have a better achievement. You had to prove yourself. So when I finally established myself in this world of men, it was really a matter of earning respect. But the way one do that and establish yourself as a recognized professional woman is to show respect. Mm. Not by being arrogant or, um, in Afrikaans, we have a word, beter, beterig, um, you, <laughs> you know? Yes. 
But actually to be accommodating and through those kind of behaviorisms, I found myself being acceptable in a man's world. And then also getting recognition as a professional. And I totally agree with Natalie. One goes through these phases that you feel, oh, oh, my children has to come first. No, but my job has to come first. You know, you have those kind of conflicting emotions within yourself. But I have news for women. They can co both come first. It is how you manage yourself and what support system you put into place. And I do believe South Africa has moved a lot away from this patriarchal system where men is absolutely not involved in the household chores and that has changed. Um, I do believe from my age where I'm now, I've got a wonderful husband. Uh, we do everything together. He helps with everything that we have. And it's a shared responsibility. For, so for women to have been able to, to have that, that is wonderful. But not mm. all women do have that. Um, yeah. They are women. They're single mothers. Those are the ones that I you know, I take my hat off, that of coping and have to cope. I had to cope alone with my children for four years. And uh, it's interesting that you do cope and you still can excel in your profession, you know, and coming involved. And it's also a matter about your skill set. They always say a woman is multi-skilled, and it's true. We can do so many things simultaneously. Huh. And it is also the skill set that you... Um, expose yourself in the workplace that provides you with that recognition and the respect that you earned. That later on, in now if I work, I don't see male and female. I mean, it's a colleague. And we all respect each other in terms of the competency and the capabilities that you bring to the workplace. So, Matthew, that's my few, few inputs into this. Thank you so much. There, there are so many things that I think you've also um, highlighted that um, that I just want to just uh, go through quickly because I think it's quite important what you've highlighted. I mean, you speak of coming from a different time um, where, you know, you coming from a world of men, you know, it's purely dominated by men. The transition that we see now is not what you had seen there, but I love the fact that you say that in, you, I think you also had defined your own personal standards in understanding that, you know, respect is earned, but also um, you're going to show respect. So you're also going to take that ownership and accountability to not be defined by um, the, the, the narratives or, or some of the stigmas that come when it comes to how women or how men perceive women, you also just say to yourself, I'm not going to um, let the fact that I'm a woman define whether I'm giving that respect or whether I've earned it. Um, you, you also made mention of things like self-conflict. And these are the, the, you know, the little conversations and the little talks we have with ourselves when no one is listening, where you're actually beating yourself up and you're, you're trying to um, separate everything and, and, and classify how what is important and try to prioritize what is least important. Whereas you can just find a way to, to create that balance and making sure that each of um, you know, uh, pri your priorities that you have, be it your family or your job, you can give an equal um, amount of capacity and effort to and just make sure that um, you're putting enough effort um, and attention to what you need to do. 
And I think I also like the fact that it also um, alludes to self-management, how, how you manage your time effectively. What is it that you are doing with the time that you have available to you? Um, and you also bring us into the world of shared responsibilities and you highlight something that is so important that, you know, where you have a household where responsibility is shared and there's not so much of that burden that's put on just you um, being a, a, a woman, um, whereas we see it you know, from a different aspect where you're dealing with single mothers who, you know, don't have that level of support um, in terms of having a partner who's saying, oh, I understand that this is what you need to do today, or I understand um, that you need to be away. I'm here, I'm taking care of X, Y, and Z, um, each to his own. And unfortunately, life doesn't award us the same kind of privileges uh, but we do see single mothers coming out and thriving. But I mean, it also takes them that much time and I think a bit more than um, it would take probably the average person who would have some sort of support and not entirely, um, uh, you know, just um, being married or having, a, you know, a, a partner that lives with you, but just having that level of support where it, it nurtures and allows for your personal development and your career to thrive because you have the time to actually balance all of that. So I'm seeing and I'm hearing that we need to be uh, very definitive of what standards we, we are setting for ourselves. We need to understand what that means to us. We also need to be a lot kinder to ourselves and understand that um, we're not robotic. We're not uh, going to be robotic in everything that we do, that we're human beings. And um, sometimes it's not going to be as easy as we think. And we're going to have moments where we doubt ourselves. But it's important to always acknowledge the little things that we do because those are going to be the little milestones that remind us of how far we've come. And I also see, and, and I've taken um, from, from, from all of this, that it's also quite important to, to, to understand and know yourself um, and to work on yourself and to, to not give up on the things that you want and to not let um, you know, one moment of a downfall define um, who you are or determine the level of, of, of grit that you're going to have um, as a person. So there's so many things that you have said that uh, really take me on a journey and, and, and allow me to want to take that moment to introspect and say, who am I? And what are some of the things that have changed so far? Because we evolve as people and um, we get better at things. We have a different, uh, we, or we gain a greater understanding when it comes to certain things. And I think having shared everything that you've shared with us on this platform, um, I can safely say that the, 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 the future is definitely female proof. Uh, uh, it's, we have made and we have established uh, and made provision for the fact that women are going to come in and own this space. And it's really not about um, seeing the, 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 the male gender as, as any less or taking away that level of dominance. It's not actually about that. It's about understanding that the space is big enough to accommodate each of us and it doesn't really require for us to be talking gender it really requires for us to say what is the skill set that each of us have that we can collectively bring to the table and make something beautiful out of this so you've given me so much to think about so much to be grateful for and so much to be excited about um and this is always one of the moments where i'm like why do we have to have such little time because there's so many things that right now are buzzing through my mind but I think um, I, I, I don't want to go to my last thoughts uh, without asking uh, Alata if, if he's feeling the, the female vibe in this space. <laughs> I'm definitely feeling it. Um, I do not want to waste too much time because I have one last question. 
And this is posed to Dr. Van Staden. Do you think, in the rise of fees must fall, remember it happened and it was an evolution. Do you think, is free higher education sustainable? Mm. Alata, were you one of the students that were protesting for fees must fall? Oh, no. Unfortunately, I was not part of this. <laughs> Alata, my point of view is when this happened, I was at the Department of Higher Education and Training. And from a statistical and a monetary value, we had to do some modeling. So from that point of view, we have indicated to the minister it's not feasible. But what one can say is that no education is for free. In no country, nowhere, the models internationally showed us that although some of our students, some of the students in other countries do not pay for the education they receive, somebody did pay for that. And one example I want to use is, and if I remember my research correctly in the Netherlands, is that the taxpayer paid a percentage of about above 50% of his or her salary to enable that education for the next up and coming leaders of society. So there are different ways and that's what we advise the minister at that stage as well. It's not a one, a one, um, one example that one can give, but it is going to be the whole country that has to contribute to a situation in education. Mm -hmm. And you will also then note from there on the investment into education through our NSFAS made it more affordable for our students to access higher education. So there's different ways in looking at this. Um, and the, the challenge that we're sitting is that we have to work to this as a collective. And it can't not only be the higher education sector that consider uh, the affordability of education. It has to be as a country how to become sustainable. My concern is I'm more concerned about unemployed graduates. This is one of my passions that I'm very concerned. And by implementing entrepreneurship into our university system was my way in trying to get a resolution or a solution towards the, uh, 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 the graduate that is unemployed. So, but I'll pause there. That's another passion of my mind mm. for another day, a lot of. <laughs> That is so interesting. Oh my goodness. Now I want to extend this episode to three hours. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, I think it's it's something quite um thought it's it's quite thought-provoking, and we we can definitely try to start thinking and, and channeling our direction of thinking in, in, in that way. So Alata, I think you you have a lot to think about after this episode. <laughs> um I just wanted to find out from Professor Natalie before we actually um, um, finalize or close off our episode. Um, to the, the, I'm sure there is uh, in our audience, um, there will be some, someone sitting and particularly a woman who's sitting and might feel that um, they're not really seeing any progress happening um, in, 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 in their career or they are sitting in, uh, in the same or similar space where they, they, they could be, you know, be looking at um, or be um, proposed with opportunities to go out and explore something different. What would your message be to that woman who might be fearful of taking up the challenge or trying something new um, and might be feeling, let me just do what I know best. Let me not even go and explore the unknown. 
what would your message um, of, of hope or your advice be to that woman? Um, thank you, Matty. I, th- I think that's a great question. And and we I actually do get asked that a lot by, by junior academics or junior female academics or just females in general. I think one of the most important messages that I, that I always say is you just, you have to trust yourself. You have to trust yourself. You have to trust your vision. You have to follow what it is, what your dream is. It doesn't really matter what other, what other people tell you. I think for myself, if I had to listen to everyone and all the confusing messages that I received, but I always just followed, I drowned out all the noises and I followed people, I, I've, I keep a little list in my mind of people that I really trust in specific areas that I keep in my room, and I listen to them. So find people that you really trust and trust your own voice. But having said all of that as well, you also have to, you have to know that there's going to be a little bit of sacrifice or maybe a lot of sacrifice. Yes. And, you know, sacrifice comes from the Latin term. And it actually means if it's sacred, it's sacra and facere to do. So it's you have to perform and you and it's a sacred thing. So you have to give up something. Something is going to have to go in your pursuit of what it is that you really want. But if you're passionate and you believe in your vision and you have, like Dr. Ingela also said, I also have a great support system. You've got people that are there to support you, how big or how small, you are going to have greater gains, not only for you, but but for the community and, and for the world at large. Thank you so much. What a beautiful, beautiful way to, to close that off, um, to remind everyone that, you know, there, 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 there has to be something that you give. You know, you need to understand that there's something you need to bring to the table, probably something that you might need to give up, something that you might have to start learning, but ultimately something that is meaningful um, needs to come out of this and that level of sacrifice um, you know, needs to exist in order for you to, to actually find yourself on that journey and seeing that change and that transition. Also, um, you know, trust yourself, trust your vision. Thank you so much for that. Um, I know that uh, definitely those are some of the, the words that I have jotted down and I will keep um, next to, to, to my bedside to remind me every now and again when it gets tough that trust yourself and trust your vision, trust your voice, and trust the voices of the people that you know um, you, you, you can actually trust and are going to contribute uh, quite positively to, to your growth and to your development. So thank you so much um, to both of you, um, Dr. Van Staden, Professor Natalie. Thank you so much for availing yourselves and um, for fully bringing the truth and what it is and what it means to you to the Blue Couch. I know for myself and for a lot, it's, it's always a privilege and it's, it's, it has definitely been an honor to share your stories and um, to hear of some of the things that you have done differently to, to be effective and to be who you are in the world. And we definitely wish you all the best in everything that you do. Um, never stop being the hand that gives. And in, in this respect, we appreciate that the, the knowledge that you give and the heart and the passion that you also bring to the table that changes the ball game entirely. So thank you so much um, for sharing your stories with me. 
Um, and I really do appreciate it. And I know that uh, our journey doesn't end here. And uh, at some world forum where women are making waves and are changing things, we will collectively stand there and uh, we will say we are the women who chose to own it and we are the ones who we were waiting for. So, Alata, I think I have preached and I have shared um, my piece. But thank you so much. Um, and I will hand over to you to close off um, on this special episode. Indeed, it is what it was a special episode. And I always close out with the food for thought, a wrap up on this conversation, which is the way you achieve your success is to be willing to help somebody else get it first. Keep that in mind, lock it in your mind. And this was another revealing episode of The Blue Couch. Thank you so much to our guests, Professor Natalie and Dr. Van Staden. It has been one great one. Thank you so much, Matty. You also voiced out your opinion. Loved the passion. <laughs> and thank you so much to our guests. I brought the woman of in course, to today's And session. that's what we <laughs> <Yes>. always need. <laughs> thank you so much. Definitely. Thank you so much, Alata. Uh, Professor Natalie, Dr. Van Staden, thank you so much. Um, we will allow for you to share any words that you would like to share before we close off. Yeah, thank you, Matty. Thank you, Alata. And thanks for Natalie. This was a very interesting session. Um, yeah, this was a first for me going through a, a blue couch. And, uh, <laughs> yes. I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. You are most welcome. Thank you for being here. Yes, I would also like to echo uh, Dr. Van Stoen's um, sentiments. Lata, Matty, thank you so much for creating this platform and for having this passion. And I also learned from you today with all of your sentiments and the engagement and for creating this and making this available. So thank you for this. Much appreciated. Um, I'm looking forward to following the rest of your of your podcasts. Thank you. Thank you so much, Professor Natalie. Uh, the Blue Couch is always um, your home if you want to make it your home. Uh, trust me, our invitation does not just end here. Whenever you feel like there's something um, that you would like to discuss, because we are always fanatical about not just technology and innovation, but education as well, know that the Blue Couch is always open to you to have those invigorating and meaningful conversations. So from us, we'd like to extend our gratitude and uh, keep it real and keep safe during the lockdown and enjoy level two. And we will, we will meet with you soon. When you're ready, you give me a cue and we do the intro. Okay, all right. In five, four, three, two, one. Hello, Hello. welcome to the Blue Couch. The Blue Couch. <laughs> My name is Matty, and I am not alone. I am always with Alad 